listening to the Northern Miner Podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Keeble, coming to you the week of September 12th. And I have some fun stuff this week. I'm excited. Uh, I teased it last week. I had a chance to sit down with Joe Mazumdar from Exploration Insights, and we have some really topical conversations on things like resource estimates and stuff like that. One of the major things we talk about is uh, p- people may have seen the headline, um, Orzone Gold and their Bombore uh, deposit in Burkina Faso. Uh, late last week, they revealed that they lost around 29% of their global resources uh, due to a change in resource estimation methodology. So they, they brought in a new engineering firm, uh, Roscoe Post Associates. Um, they imposed some harder boundaries on the resource calculations and lo- uh, I shouldn't say loss, but just had to disclude a large amount of material from their mine plan, hypothetically. Uh, but anyways, Joe and I get into this in a great deal of, de- uh, of detail. <laughs> um, but we also talk about Predium. Uh, we get into uh, zinc. We talk a little bit about Nevsun, the Bisha mine. Um, we talk about M&A activity and where Joe thinks that's going in the next few months heading into the new year. Uh, so it's it's some really exciting stuff. So it's it's uh, you, you'll want to catch this one. It's uh, especially if you're uh, if you're an active investor or anything in the mining business or work in the business. It's 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 a good one to get uh, caught up on trends and what's going on right now. So it's an interesting stuff. Uh, we will run that shortly. Uh, for now, I will just run through our our, uh, our macro really quick here. Uh, global equities are down this morning. Uh, we ran into a little bit of a, uh, um, what should I say? Everything fell on Friday, um, and it's continued into Monday. It's a little bit of a rough patch, as they say, right? Um so what happened was uh, just to open this morning, commodities are down uh, just to start Monday here. Uh, oil lost about 2.5%. Um, and is at about $44.93 per barrel at the time of recording. Copper dropped about 0.9% to $2.07 a pound. And gold lost half a percent. Uh, once again, we, we just keep talking about how it's so range-bound. Uh, it's, it's pretty much traded between thir- uh, $13.10 and $13.50 here. Um, we're, this morning, we're at $1,328 per ounce. Uh, the greenback's stronger against most major currencies. Uh, obviously, that makes the the loonie a bit weaker. We're trading at about 76 cents to the dollar, down about half a percent this morning. Um, and so in terms of macro, some of the things we're looking at... Um, there's a uh, improving gold demand in China and India. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, the odds of the Fed increasing rates. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm getting like rate uh, malaise here. Like the odds of the the Fed increasing rates at its September 20 to 21st meeting rose to 30 percent last Friday, according to analysts' uh, uh, consensus. Um, so that's according to the Federal Funds Futures contracts. Uh, so we'll keep our eye on that. That's a date you might want to mark down the the Fed meeting at September 20 21st. Uh, so yeah, so that's sort of where our macro is today. Um, but uh, without uh, putting this off any longer, because I'm as excited as you guys are, uh, let's get to Joe uh, Joe Mazumdar with uh, Exploration Insights, and we'll uh, I'll see you guys on the flip side. And we are on location in downtown Vancouver. We're out of the office today, uh, but we're very lucky because we're visiting with one of our most popular guests. Uh, the last segment we had was Joe Mazumdar from In- Exploration Insights was maybe our most popular podcast segment ever. So Joe's back. Welcome again, Joe. Thank you very much, sir. And I'm excited because we were emailing back and forth and I was like, Joe's like, what should we talk about? And one of the things Joe brought up was actually the Orzone Bombore situation, which is pretty much making a lot of headlines or has made a lot of headlines. The stock prices tanked. As people know, they lost about 30% of their global resources and reserves during an engineering company switch. Uh, so Joe brought that up. So before, without further ado, I want to get into this because your, your insight's going to be awesome. Um, so let's get into what you guys found when you dug into the Orzone technical documents. 
Okay, I, mean, yeah. I, I guess first off, first off, what um, I think what we got to say is in terms of this resource estimate, and, and it's the implications are a potential 30% on uh, reserves, but we don't know that yet. Okay, yeah. We won't know until later. And this week, and actually today is when Orzo is, or RPA uh, is supposed to restate the resource, so we'll wait for that. So what we've been seeing over the past few years is a lot of changes in resource estimate because of bad geology okay and we've seen uh you know calculations due to inferring that the grade is more continuous than it is um aka rubicon uh geology cochinor and potentially eleanor um and then here the issue appears to be from what we saw was there was a long section in one of the or a cross section in one of the reports on the resource that showed what looked to, what appeared to be blocks of ore that were outside the waste ore domain. So what it implied and what the press release uh, basically um, alluded to was that SRK, who did the original resource back in, I believe in, I think it was 2012 or 2013. 2013, yep. yep. That resource uh, had a really, um, uh, let's say a weak boundary between low grade and waste so an envelope was it like an envelope, an envelope? yeah and yeah. so we saw low grade mineralization going into beyond into the waste whereas rpa decided that they should stop it and what's interesting to me is that we did the reserves based on that resource last year yeah and the question to me is that yeah everyone's talking about srk the resource estimate being wrong but then my question is why didn't rpa do this last year when they did the reserve and say you know what i'm going to cut it off here okay and i'm not going to take this resource because it's outside my ore waste domain yeah and just so uh, to clarify for our listeners one of the things joe's referencing here is that Orzone shifted engineering suppliers. So they went from SRK Consulting to Roscoe Possel Associates, which is RPA, which is another supplier. But RPA had done the reserves and the mine plan. So when they did the mine plan, they did the reserves. So RPA was already been in there. And so the issue was now says, well, what do we do going forward? We're going to have to adjust the mine plan. We're going to have to adjust all this other stuff. So who do we use, SRK or RPA? And the decision was to be RPA because they're already doing the mine plan, they're going to do the reserve, so let's just let them do the resource. Okay. And so with the additional 50,000 plus meters of drilling that they've done since the 2013 resource, yeah. uh, when they brought that in and when RPA introduced their hard boundary, Orzo management, and I have a lot of respect for the management team, had very little idea that the resource would change this much. Yeah. And thus they, the disclosure when it happened. Then thus yeah. the disclosure yeah. that the implication was a 30% reduction in the resource, but they really don't know. But as you pointed out, yeah, that's a good point. They don't know yet. Yeah. But most of the analysts yeah. had obviously done the 30% reduction. And what we did was we applied a 30% reduction to a high-level model. Yeah, I mean, we never owned Orzone, but recognizing that we thought about owning Orzone over the summer if it pulled back. It did pull back, but obviously for the wrong reason. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah. ran the numbers, we lowered the resource, we took some of this low-grade material, made it waste, increased the strip ratio from 1.1 to 2 to 1. Doubled uh, it, eh? Well, it, it basically, everything that was low-grade is now waste. It's you still waste, have to remove yeah. it in our mine plan. Yeah. They changed that, that's that's a positive, but yeah. basically that's all we did. Okay. So to access that ore, you still have to go to the low-grade. Okay. okay. So 
So the question is right now, what is this going to look like going forward? Mm -hmm. We're hoping it looks better. Obviously, so do the people that vested in at a dollar in the last placement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was just a placement at one dollar. Okay. I think it was twenty some odd million. Yeah, in exactly. Re like right before this happened. On right, a positive right. side, for somebody who likes the management team, likes the optionality and the leverage this brings, you've got less ounces to lever yourself to, but what what is good is that they're capitalized with respect to working capital to develop the yeah. story further and to make it take a different route they're not up against the wall with respect to raising money and interestingly this isn't exactly it doesn't scream at you with grade this deposit it's not it never did it never has it never no, had no. the big thing was optionality because they they originally had a sulfide resource of around a gram, yeah. but it was going to be obviously harder and needed a milling scenario and a lot more capital. And so they changed that to let's do a PEA and a scoping study on the oxide because we've already drilled it trying to get to the sulfide. Exactly. Yeah. So the whole idea to invest in, in, in Orzone was, hey, they've got a feasibility on the oxide. You know, it makes sense at X gold price and the gold price is getting there. Yeah. But hey, look at the sulfide. If the gold price goes up even further, hey, they've got this and we know a lot about it. Bang, yeah. yeah. But the problem was that the hit on the potential resource yeah. also has implications on the sulfide. Yeah, exactly. It's global. It's, it's, it's across global. the entire resource yeah, it's model. Global. Right? But, but right now, yeah. all we know is the potential implication on the oxide yeah. resource. We don't know what's going to happen with the sulfide resource and we don't know what the implications are on the reserves. Yeah. But what they're stating in the press release is that, look out, it could have up to 30% implications on these other factors. I remember, I think I was talking to Ron Little, who was the president and CEO at Orzone last year. Um, and one of the things he, they were responding to was market pressure. They had that big mine plan where it was the CapEx was significant. Like it was materially larger than the stage thing they're doing now. And I remember they sort of... They released two different documents last year, and they did the one you referenced, the PEA, and then they had the feasibility level on the larger. And people started paying more attention to larger build as gold prices went up. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond with the new document. I'm, I'm the, sure that a lot of people that are involved and got in the dollar placement were thinking that eventually the sulfide resource would get exploited. Yeah. Because yeah. we, you know, apparently knew a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, the 30% reduction in the resource. Um, you know, it pinges upon that dream. Yeah, now we're all just waiting to see what it's going to look like, like you said at the onset, because we don't know. We have right. no idea, right? So, yeah, and Joe, one of the things, I'm here with Joe Mazumdar from Exploration Insights uh, in Vancouver, BC. Um, Joe, one of the things I wanted to maybe um, expand this discussion, uh, you mentioned Rubicon. Um, we know now Orzone can sort of be added to the list of, you know, we've had sort of these situations where people are starting to question the viability of, of 43101s, where they're, you know, that uh, regulators, or who's, who's monitoring these things, why are we seeing these ounces, or in Rubicon's case, an entire mine that was built, go, get shelved all of a sudden. And Gold Corp, you mentioned with Kochner, downgrading it from a development project to an advanced stage exploration project again. Um, so one of the things I wanted to get your input on is just sort of why is this happening um and b in your experience having looked at these things um is there something wrong with a with the actual process of of defining these resources and reserves or i guess number one is that i think people are too uh, caught up in the math yeah. and not enough in the art okay and it's probably half and half art and math it's it's how the grade influences how far you take it out uh like i remember doing the pretium numbers yeah. and again there there's no 
these guys aren't being nefarious in their numbers or zone or any of these people. The, the issue ends up being, okay, this is the resource estimate that we got. And, and the key word here is estimate and saying, this is what we're going to try and extract. Yeah. And then the, the problem or the issue becomes, hey, somebody else says that's not a viable method. It really should be this. But we're really not going to find out until it's actually mined and extracted and it's actually resolved in the plant. Yeah. And until then, we don't really know. And I've talked to a mineral resource estimator from a, a major consulting firm, and he says usually these resources can be plus or minus 20%. Exactly. And, and yeah. the issue that I have yeah. is that we can say, oh, this always happens to junior companies. Well, no, we've seen it in Gold Corp, and we probably see it a lot more in bigger companies, but they can hide it because they don't have to produce the 43101 technical report that gets so much maligned. Yeah. And the yeah. other point is that people will say, oh, that, but that was a scoping study. Well, that's not an issue either because obviously Orzones was a feasibility study. Torex reduction was a feasibility study. Midway's reduction was a feasibility study. And Golden Queens was a feasibility study. Yeah, yeah. So you can get that off the table as well. And those are so that's Torex Gold, just so everybody knows the Morellas mine in Guerrero. Um, so there's a few ex, uh, examples of this happening, especially as people get like you said, you get down there. If you, you when you have a mine, everything's theoretical until you actually dig, right? Um, so one of the ones you mentioned this interview is, is Predium and the Valley of Kings, because that's maybe one of the most unique deposits going right now. Like it's it's it. So maybe just a your what you when you well, look, I mean the thing is that the the variability of the grade, the coefficient yeah. of variation. If you take the standard deviation of the grade, that they use to uh, calculate their resource over the average of the resource, that coefficient of variation blows everybody else out of the water. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like that. If you yeah. ever go to the deposit, you can have a drill hole drilled 20 centimeters to the right and miss the big glob of gold. Yeah. And when they did a reconciliation of the uh, bulk, bulk tonnage yeah. sample, yeah. which was interesting, I mean, they used a whole bunch of resource estimation methodologies. They did ordinary creaking, inverse distance squared, third to the fourth, with different cutoffs applied and not applied versus the multiple indicator creaking method that the uh, Australians used and yeah. Snowden uses versus what Strathcona said was a bad estimate. Yeah. So. What that came out with is it didn't really matter what estimate or methodology you use. Most of, most of them could get close on the tons and the geology, but nobody could get close on the grade. On the grade, yeah. So it's yeah. really a roll of the dice in Pritium's yeah. case. Yeah. And, and hence probably well, a lot of Well, the discount that they're trading at, right? And the reticence yeah. of somebody on an M&A. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, that thing, assuming it... Because um, you've got the jurisdiction. Yeah. You've got the, the grade. permits, everything. You've got yeah. the permit. Yeah. And you've got the grade profile that any major would want. Well, as soon as you... If that thing, if Predium and Valley Kings, if the grade reconciliation shows up where they say it's going to be, they'll be gone within, what probably six months the right? problem there yeah. what you said it all depends because the great reconciliation or anything that we talk about yeah. depends on the time period you're talking yeah about. yeah fair enough fair if enough. you talk yeah. about a month the reconciliation yeah. can be very volatile yeah over the life of the mine it might actually meet what the reserves say what the reserves say, but yeah. day to day yeah. week to week month to month it may not so you're saying that for someone looking at it from an m a point of view you might just never have that information you may never yeah, you might never, and then wild. you're gonna have to take a punt on it. Yeah, exactly. But the yeah. thing is that the, what the reconciliation of the ounces showed that yeah. it was actually higher 
And then everybody said that there wasn't a problem. But the problem isn't that it was higher, was how much higher it was. Yeah, exactly. Because how much yeah. higher it can be is how much lower it could be. And, and Joe, one of the interesting questions that sort of spins off this discussion is, as, as someone who um, uh, digs into companies' technical reports, obviously does analysis. So when you're looking at stuff, I mean, does this sort of make you look at deposit types and avoid certain certain maybe geological belts where things are more nuggety or, or how do you look how do you sort of well what we'd be interested in is what like our our thesis is to get these exploration and advanced projects in places that people want to be mineable not necessarily someplace where you bring uh, your wife and kids and your grandparents yeah but someplace where people are comfortable mining and deposits that are people are comfortable mining Mm -hmm. and extracting uh, with processes that are well known. Once you get into an issue that, oh, you know, we're not sure if the grade actually exists, or we're not sure if we can actually extract it, we're not sure if the infrastructure is there, we're not sure if there's something that's ever going to be permitted, all those little red flags or fatal yeah. flaws are projects that we would avoid. Yeah. So a decent deposit in one jurisdiction, we take that same deposit and put it in a different jurisdiction, it might not work. Okay. Okay. And metallurgically, Carlin deposits work yeah. in the Carlin belt. Mm -hmm. They don't always work everywhere else. Everywhere else. Yeah. No, that, that's a good point. I mean, uh, one of the things that you'd mentioned to me when we sat down in Dawson City in mid-July um, was that uh, it was getting, in terms of, we'll stick with gold because it's kind of dominated the conversation thus far. Um, it's getting a bit harder to find value now when you were looking at the multiples based on spot gold. Um, and so, I mean, it, it hasn't really changed since we last spoke. I mean, it's been range bound within 1300 and I think we're around 1350 today. I mean, so now when you're out with Brent, and you guys are talking, I mean, how are you sort of finding, you know, those sort of diamonds in the rough, if you will, or those investments where you can see some value add? So right? what we've done is yeah. like, um, if you've looked at the, the letters over the last, since, since December, since we've been moving up this, yeah. this, uh, quote unquote bull cycle is uh, we've, we were buying like junior producers that we thought would get taken out, okay. which thankfully did, like <laughs> like uh, uh, Claude and Lakeshore. And we're still okay. hoping for Richmond. Yeah. And we've seen good things happen with Westone, which we don't own and we missed. Uh, and then we moved down uh, and we had some development plays. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of those thankfully got taken out, uh, like Kamenak. Yeah. And some advanced plays like like uh, uh, Reservoir. Reservoir, yeah. The, the link here is that we had quality mm -hmm. and upside potential that people wanted. Yeah. And now we're moving down market to explorers. So, you know, buying things like Colorado. I mean, yeah. we have Mariana, which is going to put out... The uh, a new resort, the hot yeah. modern, very high grade That's a nice in Turkey, project, yeah. nice deposit. Yeah. So we're moving to those, and then also grassroots explorers like Colorado, good yeah. jurisdictions that have a fraction of the market cap of the companies next door, like your Seabridge and Pretiums. Yeah, that's fair. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But also what we'll tend to do is get off of um, the North American exchange where everything is run up. Yeah. yeah. And then do more Australian stuff. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we did Cardinal Resources, and that's been a nice play that's picked up quite a bit since PDEC. It's got a project that's in ASX Ghana. ASX listed or? Yeah. It's ASX yeah. listed. Yeah. Or, um, you know, uh, or sometimes you go different commodities. And we, you know, we, we got into Ivanhoe earlier this year was my top pick on BNN uh, in uh, when we did the PDAC uh, uh, con um, call with BNN yeah. in, in March. And, and was and it was like 60 cents. It or was whatever. at 60 cents. Yeah. And, and yeah. now, it, and this is in a dead copper market yeah. in the DRC. 
Yeah, they have zinc exposure too, right? Yeah, so, but and, really what's yeah, driving that is, is the, the ridiculous yeah. copper grade yeah. and the new discovery of Kukula. Yeah, we've and done a lot of coverage on that. If anyone yeah. wants to check out Leslie's, our local, our resident geologist at Northern Miner has done a lot on that and she loves it too. So. And, and so the thing yeah. is what you want is this kind of grade because this kind of grade, these kind of deposits will win at any t part of the cycle. But what you want to try to get them is when nobody's talking about it. Well, the funny thing is, and we kind of mentioned this off air, is one of the things that happened with Ivanhoe is you mentioned people and you've got Robert Freeland going out to Bloomberg and being like, well, we had to hire a major bank because everybody's <laughs> signing CAs at our property. And all of a sudden the stock goes up like 30%. And you're like, well, that's Freeland. And we're very happy about yeah, exactly. that because we <laughs> yeah. own the stock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so one of the, getting into maybe base metals a bit because we, we said we'd talk about them a little. Uh, one of them is zinc that's been really performed well for everybody, I yeah. think. Um, and you mentioned that you have some uh, exposure to Nevsun for the Bisha asset, which they just got the zinc circuit yeah. started. You was a gold mine originally, and some people miss that, that it's becoming a base metal story. Well, right? I mean, it's 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 a, it's a gold-rich volcanogenic yeah. massive sulfide system that started off uh, as gold, yeah. and then it's moved down to high in copper, and yeah. now it's transitioning from the copper to the zinc zone. Yeah. And so what people may be missing is that they finish the plant it's it's up and running i mean it will be up and running and they're commissioning it now they've got to get over some working capital issues right now with respect to the circuit yeah but right now once that zinc plant gets running there's not too many zinc producers that are going to be coming on in this kind of market no. uh, and yeah. and so if you want zinc exposure i mean that's one reason we held on to nevson despite the fact that they bought reservoir mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know uh, we sold a uh, brent sold a bit of reservoir i always held nevson and i keep holding nevson no and it's interesting i mean just for, from maybe more of a broad stance i mean um zinc over the last few years we always hear zinc's going to zinc, be zinc zinc zinc, zinc, zinc right uh, zinc's the our secret buy it's going to go up you know you need two dollars zinc um and now it is sort of solidly above a dollar which is nice i mean that mm -hmm. makes a lot more deposits economic than 75 cents but uh from your point of view are you looking for more exposure in zinc do you like it over the medium term or is it just just that you <laughs> like nevson as a company that's, i like nevson as yeah. a company and, and and the issue with zinc or with gold is that you can run ahead yeah whereas maybe people aren't pricing one dollar zinc anymore yeah, yeah so you still want quality and the, the question is can you find quality and mm. then when you look at quality we always look our exit strategy always remains an m a takeout yeah so is a deposit something somebody else would want okay because uh, okay. we're really not interested in the company that's holding an advanced exploration a project to actually build it because then we have a change in management then we have them looking at financing we're locked we're asking these guys for a lot of um, skill sets that they may not have okay without a change in management yeah, so we want these guys to basically do as much as they can do and hopefully we pick the right deposit that could take it out and so that that's a question of like you said looking at the team and now you're looking you mentioned more at exploration stage stuff um, and, and you're going off the venture, you're off the Toronto Exchange too to do it. Um, is there any um, jurisdictions or anywhere like people have been talking about, let's say Argentina because the, of the regime switch or Ecuador because Lundin's down there. Are there any jurisdictions that are sort of popping in your guys' eyes right now or is it? Well, I mean, we, we talked about Argentina at the beginning of the year. I've, I've got a lot of, you know, my, my wife's from there and I spent seven years down in South America, most of it in Argentina. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I like Argentina, but I mean, we're not out of the woods yeah. there with respect to what's happening in Argentina. And yeah. that's another potential, um, you know, uh, example of people getting ahead of themselves. Okay. okay. So, I mean, I was surprised with the acquisition of Lindero. Okay. Uh, that still strikes me as a very marginal deposit in yeah. a remote area. 
that uh, Fortuna took a chance on. Yeah. Granted, yep. it is permitted, but I don't see the return at this gold price for it. For it, yeah. They might be holding it as an option, but that's fine. But, you know, I we've got exposure on the expiration side with Marisol. Yeah. And we're... Let's say less worried about that exposure now that Argentina is a, yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. more buoyant. We yeah. see Moro going ahead with Yamana. We see Cerro Negro yeah. doing well, and we see Vanguardia looking for more ore yeah. and doing the JV with Mirasol to find more. And the so, government's saying all the right things. Oh, like, absolutely, right. but but I mean, there's and they're trying to do the right things, yeah. and the, and the, the the new debt holders in the future are seeing that. But still, they've got issues with inflation. They've got issues with debt. They've got issues with, you know, they don't have very much working capital in terms of the current account balance. Yeah. So there's a lot of things they got to work out. Yeah. And it's not over. Mm. And it, it's not like instantly been resolved, but it's on their path, I believe, to resolution. Yeah. And and so to wrap up your job, I won't keep you from your lunch for too much longer here. Um, uh, one of the things we also touched on in Dawson that I'd like to, to return to, because you made a really good point, um, and this was during our At the Bar session, uh, you said M&A will sort of be back when you see more cash contingent to transactions. Um, and I wanna, we haven't seen it yet even now. Yeah. Um, and so being looking for these things and being out there and doing the analysis, is there a sort of uh, feeling that it might pick up going into next year or, or what sort of the... Well, the thing is, I mean, if we stick with gold, yeah, let's stick with gold for now, uh, yeah. the issue really becomes most of these gold companies now have taken big hits and write-downs and not only from, from uh, let's say... Um, Exuberant M and A, yeah, exuberant, irrationally, yeah, exuberant M and A, but but also write downs on their own reserves. Yeah. So what I made a point of at the metal investment forum then in April or May that I went to was was if you're looking at leveraged assets and looking to buy those with their leverage to gold, don't get the misconception that those will be taken out because what I want to point out is a lot of these big companies have a lot of marginal ounces. They could, they could bring on with a $200 difference in their reserve price. Suddenly it looks a lot different for yeah, them. Then yeah, it, and they don't need to acquire them. Yeah. And they're already beside well, you, you, their assets. Yeah, you they already them, know them. Yeah. You hear them talk about their internal growth pipelines constantly yeah. and the optionality and all that stuff. Exactly, right? yeah. and, and they've got it. So yeah. they're not going to acquire these assets. Yeah. So you've got to be satisfied with the fact that you're going to just get leverage. Yeah. That's all you're going to get. Yeah. And just make sure that you're not the last one out the exit door. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. the liquidity dries out. Yeah. And, and so the question going forward is, what do these guys need? Growth is a question because growth for growth's sake is no longer what's happening. Like, like does Kamenak's production profile really make a dent in, in Gold Corp's growth? No, it doesn't. But what it does introduce is, is a potential high internal rate of return project into their portfolio to show that they're doing smarter M&A. Yeah, value accretive value deals. Value accretive deals. Yeah, yeah, as they like to say in the press yeah, release. And yeah, and they did it you know, for yeah. shares and, and Kamenak probably doesn't mind liquid. We didn't mind liquid Gold Corp shares to sell, which we sold. Which, yeah, exactly, yeah. But, yeah. but that's what people need to do. Yeah. And and that's how you, you're not, like like right now, if we look at Pascualama, what's happening in Pascualama, yeah. we know that we had a $6 billion write down yeah. back in 2013. And they spent whatever, 300 odd million yeah. on trying to get it on Karen maintenance. And yeah. now they brought in uh, George B who built Veladero and used to be a developer within Barrick yeah. to come and look at a different way of getting a higher return out of that project by potentially going underground and lowering the footprint. Yeah. So the footprint and the big project would have made a dent on Barrick's 
production profile, but a smaller project would make a bigger accretive, accretive dent. dent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see where you're, that's that's. Really, and I think yeah. if people are going there, which I'm hoping that they do, and it's really quality is what's going to be M and A. It'll be very suitor specific. Yeah. But yeah. more potentially than just as much as the cash component is important, what we need to see is multiple bids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, and that's one of the things you mentioned that can drive the cash. Yeah. That's what yeah. will drive because that because people cash. have to up, and that's what happened yeah. with Reservoir. Yeah, exactly. Nevson didn't want to spend more, but they were forced to. Yeah, it was sort of a get the deal over the line yeah. type payment, and right? it was barely. Yeah. Even with that, they barely got it over the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, I'd like to thank you again for joining us. This has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, this has been Joe Mazumdar from Exploration Insights, uh, who we, where he works along with his partner Brent Cook. Uh, so please do hop not by. Not at this coffee shop, though. We're not at this coffee shop. No, we are. <laughs> this is this is straight from the coffee shop. Uh, so please hop by the explorationinsights.com uh, website. Subscribe. It's a great uh, great service. They are, they're both uh, specialists in their field. So Joe, thanks again for joining us. Great. Thank you very much for having me. And we're back. And yeah, it's always fun to talk to Joe. We, t- we cover so much ground when we sit down and have a chat because we go through and uh, the way the topics spin off of other topics and we get uh, we get a lot of good content. So so I'd like to thank Joe Mazumdar from Exploration Insights for uh, sitting down with us again. It's always fun and uh, we do cover a wide range of stuff and so it's always nice to get a little insight. I especially like that uh, talking about um, gold majors and mergers and acquisitions about how much how many latent ounces they have in the ground that, that either they wrote down pay too much for in the last cycle and some of these uh some of these deposits are starting to peak their heads back up again um and become more uh more uh, value accretive ounces as uh, as we said during the interview uh so it, it, it's, it's always some good insights from uh, from joe so uh, we'd like to thank him again um and i'd like to take this opportunity while we're uh, giving out gracious thank yous uh to thank our uh our sponsor the yukon mining alliance uh, please do surf by and check out uh, all the exciting activity that's going on in the Yukon. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on this morning, uh, which is pretty apropos, I'm actually writing up a site visit on Victoria Gold's um, Eagle project at the Dublin Gulch property, uh, and they just released their updated feasibility study this morning, September 12th. So there is a, uh, a conference call online if you want to surf by and check out uh, comments from John McConnell and his uh, his team, um, the president and CEO. Um and so just a quick rundown, uh, annual gold production is now at 200,000 ounces for Dublin Gulch. That's based on proven and probable reserves of about 1.9 million ounces. <laughs> I was like, oh, don't get that wrong. Uh, but uh, OPEX of about uh, US $539 per ounce, all in sustaining a 638 per ounce. Uh, so that's given them a post-tax MPV at 5% of about $508 million Canadian and a post-tax IRR of 29.5%. So looking pretty good, uh, especially assuming, remember, we're looking at 1250 gold here, uh, US $1,250 per ounce gold and an exchange rate of 78 cents Canadian. So actually a little bit higher than it is today. I believe I mentioned at the onset, we're at about 76 cents. Um so yeah, if yeah, it looks uh, it's always been an uh, an interesting looking project, especially since they are permitted. So this is essentially shovel ready. Um, so it's uh, interesting days for Victoria. So do surf by and check out their uh, updated feasibility for the Eagle deposit. Um, and interestingly, again, they also we, we mentioned last week just just closed around a twenty nine million dollar bot deal finance. So, so they're also it's cashing up a little bit. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. One of the questions uh, when I talked to John uh, John McConnell, president and CEO of Victoria, there one of the questions I was talking about is is the uh, structure and and uh, the status of project financing because that's pretty much where they are. Is is the next big news is going to be if. if 
they can get that project financing locked down. Assuming, of course, somebody doesn't buy them in the interim. Um, but yeah, so that was our... Uh, do, please do check by uh, the uh, Yukon Mining Alliance again and uh, take a look at all the cool stuff going on in the Yukon. Um, and the other thing, just to wrap up here, I want to touch on is we did last week talk about the Potash Corp Agrium thing, and they did. They basically came out today, and they were like, yeah, it's hot. They, they unveiled the terms under which uh, this, this proposed merger would go through. And uh, it's a uh, $36 billion, so like, <laughs> big deal, <laughs> all stock transaction. Um, and it's interesting because there's no premium for either company in, in the deal. So it's, it's essentially a true merger of equals, as they're, as they're saying, right? Um, so uh, zero, yeah, like we said, 0% premium. Uh, Potash Corp shareholders receive 0.4 of a new company share for each share they hold. Agrium shareholders receive 2.23 new company shares for each Agrium share. That gives pro forma ownership of 52% for Potash Corp and 48% for Agrium. And as we mentioned, there's about, they think they have about 500 million in cost synergies. Uh, Brad Wall, Premier of Saskatchewan, will be very happy because the new headquarters will be in Saskatchewan. Uh, Potash Corp's currently headquarters in Saskatoon, well as Agrium is headquartered in Calgary. So <laughs> I'm sure they'll take the opportunity to take a, a little swipe at uh, the NDP government in Alberta. Well, we stole your, <laughs> your big, uh, big corporate HQ. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that just came out this morning. There is a, uh, a conference call on that as well. I'll be checking out. Uh, if you want detailed coverage of the Potash Corp Agrium situation, head over to our website because I'll have uh, an article coming out, I believe, uh, on late on Monday, so on the 12th. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, it was a action packed show. Uh, so, uh, thanks again for joining us. I hope you did enjoy it. It's been Matthew Keevil. Uh, this is the Northern Miner podcast and we will talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.